Conventional Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping Conventional Wisdom on its head. Africa Utility Week. The 19th edition of the African Utility Week and PowerGen Africa, the continent's leading conference and exhibition in the energy sector, and which is expected to attract more than 10,000 senior-level executives from around the globe, was set to kick off in Cape Town on Tuesday. According to organizers of the event that was held recently at the CTICC between the 14th and the 16th, concluding today, that is, about 300 renowned speakers, 350 exhibitors, 77 utilities and municipalities attended the event. South Africa's Minister of Energy, Mr. Jeff Khadebe, delivered the keynote address on the opening day of the conference. Around 37 utility chiefs and chief executives of African continent, including ESCOM CEO Pagamane Khadebe, had a roundtable conference as the CEO Forum of 2019. The CEOs did participate in joint activities and sessions within African Utility Week, as well as a PowerGen Africa. The event, they say, has grown so much that we are spread over both buildings of the CTICC this year. That was sourced from the local media space. And to join us now is Mr. Mielani Holeni, Mr. Mielani Holeni, who's the group chief advisor at Ndiyiso Consulting. Good evening. Hi, good evening. Good evening to the listeners. Thank you so much. Were you there in Cape Town over this Africa? I was here and I I still am here. So we have just concluded uh, the... uh, Utility Week uh, today, and it was quite an exciting uh, uh, two days or three days that uh, were out there uh, listening us. to all the various speakers. Can you mm. tell us about it? Uh, yeah. Tell us about the experience generally. Tell us about the yeah. issues that are recurring. Well, uh, from my experience, having been to the event for the past uh, three years, this year was certainly the biggest uh, showcase of uh, technology, the biggest uh, showcase, at least, of uh, the knowledge that people have. And uh, we also saw that uh, there were companies as far afield as China, the Nordic uh, uh, Block, uh, and various uh, local suppliers who had come to exhibit there. But what was also exciting was uh, the expansion uh, with respect to the number of speakers who were there. And we also saw for the first time conferences within this conference, uh, a conference focusing on women, focusing on uh, CEOs, uh, top CEOs of utilities on the African continent, uh, the youth as well, uh, with regards to bringing up the youth. Uh, so it was uh, quite a variety and a diversified uh, program. You mentioned something that I don't want to let go of at all. And just before I say that, ladies and gentlemen, we're taking your calls on 891 WhatsApp texts, please, 614 We're not operating from our usual studios at the SABC in Auckland Park because of the problem that everybody knows about the diesel spill. But lines are open, 891 Give us, Give us your thoughts. Talk to us. Let's talk about electricity. Let's talk about energy. Let's talk about IPPs. You mentioned the Nordic countries were represented there. Just... Tell us about the success of the Nordic countries in using renewable energies. You mentioned Iceland, for instance. We know they use a lot of geothermal energy. They can pretty much just be off the grid. For the balance of the Nordic countries, there's a lot of hydroelectric power that goes around there because simply of the snow and the amount of water that surrounds them. Tell us what their experiences were of this, if you ever interacted with them, and what their advices are for a country like South Africa that has a coastline of just about 3,000 kilometers of water. Yeah, no, I think in terms of what the Nordic have done is really, really outstanding because uh, in the way that they've been able to use the resources that they have within there, which uh, for many of us 
We look at uh, the fact that it's cold out there and it snows at times. Uh, But those are advantages for them that they are using to be able to uh, turn that into positives. So so the success as well is not only around using your geothermal uh, energy, but they also have advanced themselves in terms of uh, the smart meter. So whatever they are generating from Mm. those uh, sources, which uh, are not fossil uh, fuels, uh, they are going uh, renewables. But they've also managed to build a, a, a technology that is able to meter all of those. So it becomes a revenue generating uh, 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 it, 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 it generates income for them and they use the meters in a very clever way to build smart meters, smart grids and the smart cities there as well. So, so from what they are doing, it's quite uh, advanced. And if you look at uh, ourselves in South Africa, we talk about uh, the, the ocean, we talk about you know, the coastline, as you just mentioned, mm. uh, we talk about uh, the water bodies that uh, we have. Uh, we can also talk about the neighboring countries such as the Sutu where there's water flowing through. Uh, so, so, so we need to be able to harness and look at you know, how we go into renewables. The sun shines uh, uh, most of the year in South Africa and most yes. uh, in, in certain parts. And that is something that uh, can easily become uh, a source of energy from the solar. Uh, Parts of the country that are quite uh, windy, uh, wind energy can be harvested there. So so, so we're talking about uh, an expanded uh, 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 sources of energy that can uh, alleviate uh, and reduce uh, the the, the global warming that uh, we are facing currently. We're in conversation with Mr. Mielani Holeni, who has over 20 years of corporate and management consulting experience. Mielani was a project director of revenue management and enhancement program once for the city of Ekuruleni, or the metro, I beg your pardon, of Ekuruleni. He's currently leading a revenue management and enhancement program for the city of Tswane and is currently engaged in development in developing new products through Ndiniso Thought Leadership Circle, where he is acting as Group Chief Advisor for Ndiniso Consulting. Mr. Khadebe, did you catch his speech at the opening of the event? Yes, indeed. Quite an exciting speech uh, that he put forward. And I think uh, you know part of what he was also talking about is really to look at the diversified uh, sources of energy. Uh, climate change is a major factor that we are facing. We saw the floods that uh, took place in Durban just around uh, the corner. Uh, we also saw the floods that took place in Mozambique and so on. And all of this is because of uh, the, uh, the warming, of uh, the global warming that is taking place. And it's affecting various areas in, uh, in different ways. In other areas it will cause floods, in other areas it will cause uh, drought. But all he was touching on really is to look at you know the, the diversification of uh, energy sources. He was also talking about uh, the, 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 the the DOE's plan to look at how to support you know various IPPs uh, to support you know also ESCOM itself you know with the problems that it's currently facing. Uh, they are also looking at uh, innovative ways of uh, allowing uh, the generation of uh, uh, energy or power without necessarily having a license. Uh, there are issues of co-generation. So it really touched on a number of exciting uh, mm. uh, things which uh, got the industry to start taking notice because currently uh, the barriers of entry into the power uh, space are quite high. Uh, it's a highly regulated uh, industry. And therefore, to go through the, regulation, uh, the regulatory environment or framework, uh, it costs you more sometimes you know, to even get to a point of generating power and make a return out of it. Let's talk about the IPPs then, because he's been, some will say, even controversially involved with the IPP space. Did he mention anything about that? Did he give industry any satisfaction? Did he engage corporates about the role of IPPs going forward and their regulation and the credibility of the system? 
Well, what, what he hinted, for instance, was the fact that there will be another round of uh, IPCs that is going to open up, uh, which is something uh, which we understood to be uh, the firm support of government uh, mm. for IPCs. Uh, mm. so, so we took it as a vote of confidence on the model. Uh, of course, uh, uh, the, 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 the in sheer investment that goes into uh, getting the uh, renewables going is quite high. But the understanding of uh, where government wants to go is they definitely would like to diversify. Uh, we know that ESCOM, of course, is still uh, uh, generating about uh, 90% of uh, energy. So that is something that uh, they are keen to have a, 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 a swing uh, towards the renewable. So the message of, uh, you know, even though it did not commit on the date of when they will be going out, but it sounded... Uh, as if it's something which is going to happen quite soon. So there's, there is support. Uh, it, 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 it came across from government for IPPs. Uh, so, so, so the smaller players as well, and they're also looking at getting the smaller players and looking at uh, microgrids as well that uh, can be built around smaller communities uh, and villages so that uh, they, 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 there is no uh, big investments that must be committed to getting power lines into the various areas. So the direction that they are taking looks like it's, it's going to open up the market. Yes, it will cause competition for municipalities uh, because uh, as soon as someone puts up a solar PV on their house, it means they use less uh, power from the municipality. So, so there will be, in, in a sense, a cannibalization of uh, uh, revenue, but in this case, uh, they are also saying that uh, renewables is the way to go. Uh, municipalities as well must look at uh, filling the space of uh, also becoming uh, uh, generating uh, power there. So, 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 so our understanding is that there is a strong support for IPPs going forward. Sure, you mentioned um, small players. You mentioned earlier on the the fact that this place or the, the space, I beg your pardon, there's a lot of gatekeeping. That does never all go well for small players, number one. But more importantly, you would know this because you have dealt a lot of it at local government level. The gatekeeping, for instance, if you look at the regulatory framework, uh, take it back many, many years ago, the only uh, power producer in South Africa being ESCOM, highly protected, highly funded, uh, uh, you know, all the investments, you know, that would go there. So no one else would be able to come in and start generating uh, uh, power from there. So so, so, so uh, the regulatory framework is in a way still uh, in favor of uh, a model of having a, a, a state-owned entity generating uh, power and distributing it uh, to everyone else, uh, including the municipalities there. Yes, some municipalities have attempted to go into the uh, uh, space, uh, some are succeeding, some are not succeeding because it's a scale business as well. Uh, on the other side, if you look at the monopoly between the generation, the transmission, and the distribution, still lying with ESCOM. So smaller players uh, will find it very difficult uh, with respect to where to fit in. And also current, uh, the current model uh, talks about uh, uh, the feed-in tariffs where uh, it's fed into the grid. So it's still supporting uh, the uh, ESCOM. Uh, to be the main player within the energy space. And that is where, for instance, the, the regulation needs to change and it needs to be uh, revised uh, such that it opens up the market even more so that uh, when you generate uh, electricity in situ, you must be able to use it uh, in situ there. There's also limitations from a technology point of view, uh, various technologies that uh, must be uh, put in place 
or at least uh, recognized in terms of uh, the regulatory framework. We're talking about bi-directional meters so that if you're generating power, uh, it can recognize the fact that you are feeding it into the grid or you are taking uh, power from the grid. Uh, with it. So, so currently the regulatory framework is still quite rigid uh, and the cost uh, that uh, are associated with uh, getting a distribution uh, network uh, uh, is quite uh, high, uh, as well as uh, the generation aspects as well. So, so, so the, 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 there's a lot of work that must be done around loosening the, the mm. regulatory framework to allow the smaller players, and 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 they will say, uh, op- and also provide funding for them to be able to uh, be viable from uh, the get-go. Let's talk about ESCOM because you've mentioned it a few times now. Let's talk about its proposed unbundling from, and in other words, to three divisions, generation, transmission, and distribution. Talking about yeah. this regulatory framework that is largely geared to an ESCOM that is one massive enterprise, not one that's going to be unbundled. One yeah. regulatory framework that speaks to large players, not the yeah. smaller players. Is there no incongruence around what is the development, one, versus the regulatory framework? Well, there is definitely incongruence because uh, the breakup, uh, well, firstly, the, the model of ESCOM is uh, three businesses in one. And the, 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 the regulatory framework was supporting exactly that. If you look at the Electricity Act, uh, it, it, it supports uh, the, 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 the model of having an ESCOM with uh, three businesses in one. So, so that uh, same regulatory framework or legislation will need to be unbundled or at least uh, uh, revised uh, to recognize the fact that there is a generation space and generation is, is a particular uh, 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 stage in the value chain and it requires a different type of uh, skills and there, for instance, the raw materials are different uh, and so on. So if you look at the three businesses, they definitely they will have to also look at how uh, they revise that uh, uh, regulatory framework. The NERSA, uh, NERSA will have to look at that certainly. So, so for us, is uh, take an example if we juxtapose ESCOM versus uh, other countries. Nigeria has got as many as uh, 40 different uh, power use uh, power uh, generators or companies that are mushrooming there. If you look at the likes of uh, Uganda, uh, they also have broken up uh, 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 in, uh, various. Uh, uh, part of the value chain into different companies. So it's still South Africa, which is supposedly the leading economy on the continent, which is still lagging behind. And perhaps uh, we could say that the source of our problems is exactly that, because the argument of breaking ESCOM into three is to look at efficiencies, uh, each one of the businesses to be able to uh, invest or generate uh, revenue and be able to invest in its own activities with transparency. So currently there's a feeling that there's a lack of transparency across what ESCOM really makes. Uh, ESCOM currently is uh, also a a supplier of electricity in some of the municipalities, thereby competing with uh, municipalities themselves. So really the model as it is is problematic for, 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 for new players to be able to come in. Let's talk about municipalities. Municipalities are in serious debt to ESCOM. Municipalities are not assisting in any way whatsoever ESCOM. And in many respects, they are having, as recently as this week, the Buffalo City Municipality had some of its assets attached. Let's talk about governance. Let's talk about the role municipalities have in creating inefficiencies. Well, I think 
one of the things that we must just observe for the listeners is that uh, a, a well-functioning municipality must typically have uh, the big five revenue line items. And by the big five, we're talking electricity, water, uh, sewer. Uh, we're talking about uh, the waste collection, as well as property rates, which is a common feature across any municipality, uh, as long as it's not too rural a municipality. So those big five uh, lines, electricity is... Uh, by most uh, uh, municipalities and account, uh, the highest revenue generating uh, line item, uh, followed by property rates, or in some cases they are interchangeable. So electricity plays a major, major role in terms of uh, propping up a municipality. So when you have ESCOM, for instance, supplying electricity in an area, it means they are taking away the ability from the municipality to be able to generate that revenue uh, for themselves, and therefore also taking away the cross-subsidization because electricity with the margins that they can make, they're able to cross-subsidize your community services such as your symmetries, your street lights, and so on and so forth. So municipalities in this case, if we talk about inefficiencies, uh, some of them are actually starved of the same revenue uh, of revenue that is justifiably theirs. So, so yes, there are inefficiencies with regards to uh, delivery of services, and so on and so forth. But the first thing that we talk about is are municipalities supported to have all the line items that they need to generate uh, revenue? If not, you'll find that uh, those municipalities will typically uh, flounder or they'll uh, be underperforming uh, and they will not be able to uh, uh, deliver the services that are required to uh, the residents. So those are the different you know, things that you know, we ought to look at uh, when we're talking about uh, municipalities, particularly from a revenue-generating generation point of view. Absolutely. We are in conversation with Mr. Mielani Holeni, and as we look to head out for a quick ad break, this is just a brief biography of his, 20 years of corporate and management consulting experience. Mielani was a project director for revenue management and enhancement program at the Ekuruleni Metro. He's currently leading a revenue management and enhancement program for the city of Tswane, as well as engaging in developing new products through Ndiniso Thought Leadership Circle in the organization of which is part, which is Ndiniso Consulting. He's the group chief advisor there. Please stay tuned. We're taking your calls on 891 WhatsApp texts are available, or rather... You, we can receive and we want to receive, please, 0614-104-107. Mr. Mielani Holeni talking to us and joining us from Cape Town, talking about the African Utility Week recently concluded and opened on the 14th by Minister Jeff Khadebe. Stay tuned. This is SAFM Viewpoint. It's 30 minutes past nine. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhe on SAFM. Songa Zomabekwe here on SAFM, joined on the phone from Cape Town, Mr. Mielani Holeni, who's the Group Chief Advisor at Ndiso Consulting, talking to us everything to do with power, utilities, energy, regeneration, the advent of climate change and its impact on everything to do with the supply of energy. Mklekazi, let's talk about climate change. I mean, you, you touched on it earlier on, and I just don't think you really zoned in on it and i want to invite you to do so the advent of climate change what is it telling those in the supply of energy should be their response and more importantly from a commercial perspective where are the low-hanging fruits so so with climate change uh, we we have grown up uh, to know energy uh, 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 source as uh, fossil fuels your oil uh, your coal 
uh, wood fired, uh, whatever the case may be. And all of this, uh, uh, most of the economies, the Chinese economies, our own economy, and most of the economies, uh, even the American economies, for instance, were built on the back of uh, the fossil fuels. So we've seen a shift, uh, whether it's a one degree uh, uh, change in uh, uh, the the, the climatic conditions, uh, either way, uh, starts to introduce uh, various uh, uh, problems with uh, the rising of the sea, for instance. Uh, We've seen the floods in the U.S. So so various things that are starting to happen. And all it is is that uh, the greenhouse effect, warming up uh, the, the, the whole uh, of the world in, uh, to varying degrees as, uh, is presenting problems. So so in terms of climate change, uh, yeah. we are starting to see that uh, the use of fossil fuels has predominantly been the problem. In some cases, the damage to the ozone layer uh, and all the various things that are uh, as a consequence of uh, using fossil fuels. So the opportunities, at least, uh, and what we've seen of the Nordic countries that we spoke about earlier, yes. is that they have been able to successfully diversify uh, their use of uh, energy more into renewables. And I think what we've seen is uh, uh, renewables are sitting at about 29%, which is uh, uh, ahead by three percentage points of uh, the use of fossil fuels. So they are successfully changing their energy mix uh, within there. So the opportunity, certainly, for anyone who would want to get into the space is to look at how uh, they can go into renewables or at least invest uh, in renewables, whether it's solar farms, wind farms, uh, and the various things that are there. Gas, you know, as well, we know that it will run out. Uh, but the, in the majority, the, the renewables are areas where there are opportunities. So how do we help the climate uh, 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 to, to at least uh, re, uh, slow down the uh, deterioration, uh, deterioration in the ozone layer, the mm-hmm. uh, 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 rising of the sea and, and the droughts and the shortages of water and so on? Is exactly that. The other thing about the generation of uh, power from uh, uh, fossil fuels is that uh, you use a lot of water. Uh, the CEO of ESCOM was talking about uh, 2% of the freshwater bodies in South Africa go into uh, the cooling of uh, uh, for, uh, power stations. Uh, so, And that's a large amount of water, coupled with the fact that there's the agricultural industry, there's uh, all of the industries that are hungry for water, and uh, specifically South Africa being a water scarce country. That, that is a huge uh, devastation. So if you're taking away 2% of fresh water, it sounds uh, very small, but it means that uh, fresh water becomes a scar. So we start to introduce other problems there. But with renewables, at least uh, you, you, we are uh, uh, guaranteed of uh, using the source as it is, uh, if it's uh, solar or if it's wind, uh, without impacting on the other areas of uh, uh, the, the, uh, the ecosystem. Uh, sure. So, 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 so I think from our side, we were just uh, observing that renewables are here to stay, and mm. the financial institutions, whether it's DFIs or multilaterals and so on, uh, some of them have already taken a view that uh, they are not going to fund any uh, coal-fired uh, power station or fossil fuel-based uh, fire stations. Mm. Uh, so, so, so it's even shifting the trends towards uh, the financiers are shifting the trends where they are not going to fund anything which is considered unclean or on harmful question. to the environment. On, on, on that question, but that can't possibly be the experience of the United States, or that can't possibly be coming from the U.S., given the fact that they are the biggest users of fossil fuel, one, and two, they have a president who denies 
the advent of climate change? Well, the United States is one. The United States is one. Uh, really? But we're also seeing other multilateral uh, funding uh, institutions uh, joining uh, uh, forces there. Even locally, uh, we, we are told that uh, three of the four major funding institutions uh, have also gone uh, and adopted the same uh, route. But the other thing about the U.S. is that uh, we know that there's been a discovery of oil that side, and oil is a very big thing in the U.S. If you look at you know how to Texas and how mm. the industries you know, have grown uh, there, and <laughs> there I say how elections are funded uh, in uh, the, <laughs> the, the countries like those. So, are yes, you thinking of, of course, the Koch brothers? Uh, <laughs> I will see it very clear from uh, that. Uh, oh, just a passing shot. But, but I think <laughs> the, the, the issue of denial of uh, climate change is something which, you know, leaders uh, uh, ought, you know, to look at. But the United States is also an interesting uh, 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 part as well because uh, renewables are also growing within there. Uh, but who's driving the renewables? It's actually mm. not uh, the, the, uh, uh, at the national level, but the cities are driving uh, the use of renewables. In New York uh, mm. uh, and various you know, cities which are there, which are also, uh, from a budget point of view, are big uh, generators of revenue. So they are able to fit it uh, in some ways uh, uh, the national government or even the, the, the state as well are also taking a firm position uh, around uh, making sure that uh, they, they uh, adhere to the Kyoto uh, Protocol for, for climate change. Let's talk about Africa now. Let's, let, let's, let's come home. Now we're talking about the United States. We've talked about the Nordic countries. Where does Africa feature in this discussion? We've got all the water we need. We've got all the sun we need. We've got all the land we need. We've got all the coastline we need. We've got all the sun we need. How are we faring as a continent in leading the move from these bad sources of energy towards renewable energy? Well, let's start by the term which has been uh, coined uh, or Africa is called uh, the dark continent. Mm. So the dark continent, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, ESCOM did or one of uh, the the, uh, advertisers did was uh, to take a satellite picture of the entire African continent to see how it looks at night. Yes. And if you just look at the entire continent, you'll see sparse uh, areas where there's uh, lights or it's switched on. So the African yes. continent from a power usage or electrification point of view, we are doing quite badly. Uh, if you look at the fact that uh, and one example that was used by one of the speakers there was uh, some uh, uh, utilities in uh, various countries on the continent, you may find that they have the capacity to generate 15 megawatts uh, 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 megawatt of energy. Uh, they are able to only manage uh, to generate half of that and are able to only generate revenue from uh, uh, 1,500 uh, 1, of that. So, so we still have major problems running the utilities, even, if, even uh, the same old models of uh, using coal-fired power stations. So there are problems of inefficiencies, problems of lack of skills, problems of uh, uh, low investment, uh, problems of uh, non-payment uh, from uh, uh, the end users, uh, problems of uh, taking technology which is uh, substandard, which uh, comes from other countries, uh, and, and problems of us not innovating and building our own technology within there. So we're finding that the continent of Africa is still uh, lagging behind. In other words, uh, it's are, dark. 
as it's a dark continent uh, because of uh, 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 the fact that we are not uh, generating uh, uh, electricity and electrifying the various areas that we need to electrify. I will also give an example using the biggest economy of the, the biggest population on the continent, uh, 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 which is Nigeria. Uh, you know, you're finding that, uh, you know, people are using generators there, solar PVs there, and various things there. So to keep uh, the electricity on is a major thing. It's a major achievement if it can be kept on for seven days a week. So you're finding a lot of interruptions uh, that are still happening there. However, there are exciting projects that are also coming up uh, on the continent in various areas. Uh, there's hydro uh, use of hydro uh, on the uh, 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 western side. So there are various things that are coming up, but it will take time to get the continent uh, to be able to fully electrify itself and be able to supply uh, power to uh, most of its uh, residents uh, there. But the solution still remains that uh, if we are to do it as quickly as we should, uh, fossil fuels or coal-fired power stations is not the way mm-hmm. to go. They take a long time uh, to build and to commission. Uh, example, back home, we still know uh, Mitopi, Kusile. We still have not uh, gotten them to, to run as they should not run. Notwithstanding how much the money that has been spent on their being up and running. A double the amount, you know, which was uh, budgeted, for instance. So so you can already see that uh, if we were to go the old uh, route of uh, fossil a few uh, powered uh, stations. It will take us a long time. Yes, there's nuclear that we're talking about. There are also difficulties that uh, are there from an affordability point of view. So, so well, the renewables much... on the continent are starting to show to become more and more popular. We are seeing as well the likes of the UN. We are seeing the World Bank, and we are seeing a lot of other funders who are hovering on the continent uh, to be able to fund uh, those projects or bring them into fruition. Absolutely. Let me just take the liberty to ask you one quick question in the 30 seconds we have left because we have to take an ad break before we cut the program. Pagamani Khadebe was there. He is the leader of the continent's biggest power utility. How much credibility does ESCOM enjoy? How much credibility does he enjoy given the fact that ESCOM supplies so much power to other African countries and those utility leaders from those countries were here? Well, the words of the president uh, that says, you know, ESCOM is too big uh, to fail. Uh, ESCOM is still the elephant uh, in the room, <laughs> both figuratively and... <laughs> oh, quite literally, yes, and figuratively. <laughs> so, so, so in this case, ESCOM still, yes, uh, has suffered a major blow from a credibility point of view. However, we still take 90% of uh, the power from ESCOM. So it, 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 we have to work with ESCOM. I mean, the fact that uh, the CEO uh, gives a keynote address uh, uh, ahead of uh, the minister as well, or at least some opening remarks, still shows that ESCOM is still considered a major player in the econo- in the South African economy and definitely a shining star on the continent despite the problems that it has. So if you just think about the fact that uh, ESCOM has got so many problems that we are seeing in the country, if mm. you were to take ESCOM and put it in any other country, it immediately becomes a shining star ahead of uh, any uh, of the uh, power producers there. So Fair however, uh, there's a lot of work for ESCOM to be able to uh, pull itself out of the difficulties that uh, it's currently facing. 
My brother, thank you so much for a very scholarly response to some very critical questions that really the sixth administration has to focus on. Mr. Mialani Holeni, thank you so much. You're probably missing out on the party, so I'm going to let you go now. As I just confirmed that the show is over, it's now time for a quick ad break before we go to our daily soapy, the paper. Thank you so much, South Africans. That was Mr. Mialani Holeni, who's the group chief advisor at DESO Consulting. Stay tuned.